Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. see it now. The book of Haggai, we're going to go there tonight. Can we pull the book of Haggai up tonight? All right, the book of Haggai. The book of Haggai says it this way, in the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, speak now to Zerubbabel, who's the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel. You're the governor. Be strong. And be strong, Joshua. You're the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you. You, says the Lord, according to the word that I coveted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it's just a little while, I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple With glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord. And the glory of this latter temple, or the latter house, shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace. Say peace. Peace. That's what the world is needing. My subject tonight is how do you see it? Now, how do you see it now? The question for this Wednesday night, the first Wednesday of summer 2013, is this. How do you see it now? There are two truisms that modern psychology has given us about life. The first is this. Number one, we see what we are prepared to see. That's a truism. Everybody say amen. Amen. There's a man named Paul Turnier that had a friend over to his house one day, and he had him over for breakfast, he and his wife. And he and his wife were going to share breakfast with these people. And the man said, let's go look for some mushrooms in the fields quickly before we make the mushroom omelets. And Paul looked at his friend and said, we don't have any mushrooms around here. But they went out into the field, and the friend continually began to bend down and pick, and then bend down and pick. And this man was the son of a food inspector. And like his father, he knew all about mushrooms. And Turnier was astonished. In 10 minutes, the bag was full. And what Turnier thought was going to take forever took 10 minutes. But Turnier kept searching, but he saw nothing but grass. And he realized then how true it is that one sees... Only what one is prepared to see. One sees only what one is prepared to see. There were mushrooms all around, 
but he couldn't see them because he was not trained to see the mushrooms. As a parent, we need to teach our children what to look for in life. We really, really do. When the great Houdini was just a young boy, his dad used to train him this way. They would walk down the street, and the great Houdini would stand beside his father, and his father would play a game with him. He said, I want you to look in that store window there, son, and he would give him about 20 seconds. Then he would turn him around and start walking. He said, what did you see in that store window? And Houdini would tell his father what he saw, and at first he just remembered a few items, the things that stood out. But as he trained and as he learned, the more his father did this by practice, he learned to notice the contents of a crowded display window as he walked by and he could give an accurate description of everything that was in the window. He learned to notice as well as to see. He learned to notice as well as to see. See, we see what we are prepared to see. Of course, some people see only the negative. That's really true. Motivational speaker Zig Ziglar calls that negative mindset stinking thinking. I love Zig. He's gone on, but I guarantee the Lord's laughed at that word, those words. You may know someone like it. Whether or not it's justified, New York cab drivers are notorious for having bad and negative attitudes. Many of them are not Americans born, and so they come to America thinking they're going to win the world and have all the money, and they don't get it driving a cab in New York City. But a man approached one of these such drivers in New York City one day, and he said, I want you to take me to London. And the cab driver told him that's not possible. He couldn't drive across the Atlantic, and the customer said, it is possible. He said, you just need to drive me down to the pier. We'll put the taxi on a freighter to Liverpool. And when we get there, you'll drive me to London where I'll pay you whatever's on the meter. And that sounded pretty good to the driver. He agreed to make that absurd journey. When they arrived in London, the passenger did what he told him he would do. He paid him the total on the meter plus a $1,000 tip. And even a New York cab driver couldn't complain about that, but now he had a bigger problem. How was he going to get back home? So he roamed aimlessly around London for a while, not knowing quite what to do. And then the Englishman held him and said, an Englishman held him and said, I want you to drive me to New York. And the cab driver couldn't believe his good luck. How often do you pick up a guy in London who wants to take a cab to New York City? And when the passenger began to say, first, we'll, take, we'll go to take the boat and the driver cut him off, he said, oh, I know that. I know how to do that. I've already come over here on a boat. But where do you want to go in New York? And the passenger said, Riverside Drive and 104th Street. And the driver thought for a moment, he said, sorry, I don't go to the west side of New York. <laughs> he was willing to go across the Atlantic. God have mercy. But he willing, wasn't willing to go across the city. One lady tells how after years of persuasion, she finally talked her mother into having some cataract surgery. And so returning home from the hospital... The mother sat down in front of the picture window, which overlooked the lake, and said, Did you notice the different view, Mom, how different it looks? And the mother looked at the daughter and said, I certainly do. Do you ever dust? <laughs> it's kind of like that cat that crossed the water one day to go visit the queen. And that cat went in that queen's parlor and went to that queen's throne, and, and all of a sudden hell broke loose. 
because they made a poem out of it. It went like this, Pussycat, Pussycat, where have you been? She said, I've been to London to visit the queen. Pussycat, Pussycat, what saw you there? She said, I frightened a little mouse under a chair. She was invited to see the queen of England, and when she got there, all she could see was a rat because cats have rat eyes. Here's what I want to tell you. We see only what we are prepared to see. There's a great scripture in the Bible. You need to learn it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Say it with me. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The first revelation of modern psychology is that we see only what we are prepared to see. Say amen to that. So I'm asking you, what are you seeing now? What are you seeing now? What are you looking for now? Haggai was preaching to the Israelites. He was talking to the high priest. He was talking to the governor. He said, I know this temple was torn down. I know it was rubbish. I know it was, 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 was burned down and everything was destroyed. But he said, that was yesterday. That was yesterday. This is not yesterday. This is today. How are you seeing God's house now? Because I'm going to tell you something. God's house is going to be greater now than it ever was then. How do you see it now? There's some people can look back and all they see is negativism in their church house religion a long time ago. And so it keeps them out of the presence of God. It keeps them out of the house of God. It keeps them out of doing the will of God. I know there's people that's been hurt. Hey, I have too. But somebody's got to tell you, get over it. How do you see it now? If God can restore a temple and say the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. Don't you think God wants to do something like that in your life, in your heart, in your spirit, in your world? Say amen, say amen, say amen. So we see only what we are prepared to see. That's the first order of revelation of modern psychology. The second comes from the esteemed philosopher and theologian Flip Wilson. What you see is what you get. Wow. Wow. I feel good. Nah, 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 nah. Oh, I feel like teaching this tonight. In a perverse way, it's true. Job said, the thing I feared has come upon me or it's come to pass. There are so many people that have fears about the future, and it's no accident. Study by esteemed scientists such as Martin Seligman have, have, made this, have made this and confirmed this in our life, that people who see themselves as winners, even in difficult times, usually are. And those who expect the future to be better than the past are generally right. Our health our ability to relate to others, our future success depends on what we see because what you see is what you get. And if we see more good than we see bad, good is probably going to win out in the long run. Listen to the prophet tonight. Listen to Haggai tonight. I love this man. A little book called Haggai written to encourage the Jews to rebuild the temple which had been destroyed during the time of Babylonian captivity. The temple lay in ruins. And Haggai confronted the governor 
He confronted the son of the high priest. And he confronted a remnant of Israel that was left. And he asked him a question. Who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? Who is left? Then he followed this question with the second. How do you see it now? It does not matter what happened then. How do you see it now? But pastor, you don't know. You don't know what happened to me in church. You don't know how bad it got. It don't matter how bad it got. It don't matter who hurt you. It don't matter who stepped on you. It don't matter who reviled you. It don't matter who upset you. It don't matter who offended you. It don't matter how do you see it now. That's the question. How do you see it now? Right now. Somebody say amen. 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 That's the question. That's the question. It doesn't matter if the temple had been reduced to rubble. That was yesterday. But the question Haggai posed was not about the past. It was about the future. How do you see it now? That's the question I hope you'll ask about your life and about your world and about your relationship with the Lord as we progress into this summer. How do you see it now? On this first Wednesday of summer of 2013, we need to take stock of our lives. Let's just take a deep breath right now. Come on, take a deep breath. As motivational speaker Zig Ziglar would say, I'm going to quote him again, some of us need a checkup from the neck up. (laughs) We really do. We really do. Because some of our thinking is stinking. And we have lived six months or going on six months of this year, and it has not turned out the way we want it to turn out. And we have preached more motivation. We have preached more up preaching. We have preached more greater preaching. We have preached more positive preaching than we've ever preached at the first part of a year. I want this church to go to another level. And I refuse to let the summer take that away from us. I refuse to let the summer. Pastor Mitch last evening, he's in my notes today. I'll I'll show it to him. He's in my notes, page 8. Pastor Mitch led us in prayer last evening. And I loved it. He don't run it by me, but he, he, he followed God about our lives, about our church, about our outlook for the summer. And we prayed last evening about how we would motivate ourselves during the summer months. Many will do it with fear. I heard about a somber minister who was in all black one day in an old buggy years ago. And he was driving his buggy along a lonely road when he overtook a young man who was walking on the same road. The minister, so he was a kind man, he stopped and, went, and with that dark, gloomy tone, invited the young man into his buggy to ride with him. As they were riding along, the minister thought to himself that he had not said anything to this young man about his soul. So in a deep ministerial voice, he asked, young man, are you prepared to die? <laughs> with a face as white as death, the young man jumped over the back of the buggy and lighted on the ground and ran as fast as he could, looking over his shoulder, and he said, not if I can help it. How do you see tomorrow? How do you see next week? How do you see this summer? Do you see it with fear? Do you see it with dread? Do you see it with uncertainty? Some of us do. We really, really do. Some of us do. I am praying for people right now because I want you to have jobs this summer. I am praying for you right now because I want your jobs to increase so that you can bless the house of the Lord. But I will tell you, if you're not going to bless the house of the Lord, there's no need for me praying for you. I cannot pray against God's will and God bless you and you not bless him back. 
But if you will bless the Lord, if you will bless the Lord, some of you have health concerns, financial security, marriage problems, business, your children. There's a lot of things happening. But some of us who are up in years can remember perhaps better days. Unfortunately, life does not let us have the privilege of living in the past any longer. The question comes to us, how do you see it now? How do you see it now? Well, the church is just not what it's supposed to be. It's not what it used to be. That's not what I ask you. How do you see it now? I tell you how I see it. I see it as a mighty armor with banners. I see it as a great, great awakening in this hour. I see people becoming more conscious about God in their life than they ever have before. I, you know what I see? I see people not running from us. They're running to us. You know what else I see? I see people that are not ashamed to represent Jesus Christ in the community anymore. That's what I see. That's how I see it now. I don't see people hiding and tunneling and trying to get church and just coming to church and nobody knows. We can't even tell. You know, when I was just a boy, people asked me, where do you go to church third day? I wouldn't even tell them the name of my church. But you know what I tell them now? I pastor Christian Life Church, 4700 Westgate Boulevard. I'm proud of all of y'all. I'm proud of the God of this house. I'm proud of what God's doing in this house. We're going to baptize 50 more people on Sunday. Hey, somebody, somebody say glory to that. I don't know what it used to be in your world, but I'm telling you, the church has never been in the position that is in right now. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. How do you see God's church now? There's three things I want to tell you. Number one, I told my visitor tonight I get through it. By 8.45, I'm going to push it. In the first place, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? A well-known counselor noted that in counseling situations, individuals will often make statements like, I'm just hard to get along with. Really. I'm a lazy person, so I just can't get such and such done. I'm just lazy. The underlying message in those statements is this, that that's the way they are and that there's no way they can change. And as long as you believe that you cannot change, the odds are against you. But when you start believing that God can change you, he can change you, he can change you. I appreciate you coming to the house of the Lord and hearing me speak this gospel because I love to preach the gospel. And Wednesday night is when I, when I load up and give you the best I have. But I, w- I want to say something to you. If you come and just hear it and then go home and pick it apart and say, wow, it's the same old six and seven. No, it's not the same old six and seven because God is trying to motivate us. He's trying to lift our spirits. How do you see yourself? And when you don't see others good, you don't see yourself good. You may fool a lot of people, but you can't fool God and you can't fool a pastor. If you don't see things good in life, you don't see yourself good. You see yourself as not being good. But when you start seeing the good in life, you're going to start seeing God being good to you. How do you see yourself? I read a story about a a mother who had a son that was born with infantile paralysis. And the doctor said he would never walk again. But that mother did something so awesome. She massaged this boy's legs. His name was Walter. She put hot compresses until finally he was able to walk 
a little bit. And then he kept walking until he was able to run. And one day after watching some boys in high school compete at a track meet, Walter said to himself, I want to become the world champion high jumper. He was born and the doctor said he had never walked. Infantile paralysis. Absurd? Yeah. But how do you see yourself? To the world perhaps, but that's how Walter's mother had helped him see himself. So years passed. Walter competed in high school and then college. He married, but he still competed. And one day, one day, at an indoor track meet, Walter cleared the bar at 6 feet 11 and 1 half inches. Stay with me. And when the official placed the bar at 6 feet 11 and 5 eighths inches, 1 eighth of an inch higher, the crowd recognized it represented a world record at that time. On his first try, he tipped the bar and it fell. On the second try, he tipped the bar and he failed. As he stood back for his third and final attempt, however, Walter pictured himself not going under the bar, not knocking over the bar, but clearing the bar. If you've been defeated one time, get up. If you've been defeated two times, get up. On his third. Hallelujah. On his third and final attempt, he pictured himself going over the bar. And a few minutes later, the feat was accomplished. He had set a world indoor record. And the boy they thought would never walk became a world high jump champion. Most of us will not see ourselves as world high jump champions. Still, it's important for us to ask ourselves what we do see. Do you see yourself as a victim and a misfit? Or do you see yourself a victor and with potential? I want to tell you right now, it doesn't matter what your bar is. God will give you the strength to clear any bar that's in your way. Because God wants you to see yourself as being victorious in life. How do you see it now? Come on, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as being victorious or do you see yourself as being a failure in life? Let me talk to you now. Let me talk to you. You can clear the bar. So that's how you have to see yourself. In the second place, how do you see the world? All right, how do you see the world? And I know that we're living in a tough time. But there was a professor of Yale Divinity School that went out visited a little old ancestral home of Virginia, in Virginia. And the aged owner was the last of a distinguished colonial family, and she was proudly showing him through the home. And over the fireplace, he noticed an ancient rifle that intrigued him. And he asked if he might take it down and examine it, and she replied, Oh, I'm afraid that wouldn't be safe. You see, it's still loaded and primed to fire. My great-grandfather kept it there in constant readiness for the moment when he might have to strike a blow for freedom of the colonies. And the professor looked at her and said, then he died before the revolution came? She said, oh, no. He lived to the ripe old age, and he died in 1802, but he never had confidence in George Washington. (laughs) Funny. 
You see, he knew Washington as a boy, and he didn't believe he could ever lead an army. That's a cute story. I was in Paris, Texas one day, and a woman walked up to me, and she said, I knew you when you was a kid, and I said, that boy will never be a preacher. He'll be a thief. He'll be a renegade, but he'll never be a preacher. She said, you've almost, you've almost convinced me. <laughs> a thief. I never stole any bubble gum. A renegade. I don't even know how to spell that. She said, you've almost convinced me. Isn't it amazing what we see in people and we say, wow, he fooled us. Why can't we look and see? See, I had, I had an old preacher tell me one time. He said, when you have people walk in your church, if they're 95% good, they got 5% bad in them. And if they're 95% bad, they got 5% good in them. What do you want to see in people? I want to see the good in people. So if you're, if you're on 5% and going on down, I'm still going to see good in you. Because I'm an idealist. I want you to see that in yourself. And I want you to understand that this world and this government and the situations that we're dealing with around the world may not be good. But we know one who holds the worlds in his hand. In fact, the song says he's got the whole world in his hand. So I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to have a problem sleeping tonight. I'm not going to worry about everything that's, that's going on. I, I watch Fox News just like the rest of you. I watch CNN. I watch MSNBC. I watch all of that. And I don't get high blood pressure. I went to the heart doctor the other day and my blood pressure was perfect. Everything's good. So I'm not going to let that get me down because I see a God that's bigger than this world. Because the last time I checked, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made it all. And if God made it all, I'm going to have confidence he can control it all. That's how I see it. I'm talking about motivating. I'm talking about motivating. You can't walk around in fear. You can't walk around in trepidation. You've got to understand that God has got it in his hands. He really does. Now, preacher, you're preaching like you're losing your mind right now. No. No, I'm really not. I love John Madden's book. He, he wrote a book called Knee. And in that book, he wrote about a, a place kicker named, named, named Wershing. And, and Wershing was a place kicker for the San Francisco 49ers, Ray Wershing. And, and, and Madden made a, a beautiful statement about Wershing. He said this. He said, when Wershing kicks the ball, he never even looks at the goalpost when he lines up for a field goal. Now get that in your head. He don't even look at the goal. In fact, he never looks at the goal post. And so the holder has to tell him if it's successful or not because he never looks. He just kicks and walks away. And the holder said, you hit that, Ray. But how do you aim, Madden asked him one time. He said, if you don't look at the goal post. He said, sir, I just look at the hash mark. They tell me all I need to know. And Madden goes on to note that Wershing's right. The hash marks are 23 yards in from each sideline. And there's 18 and a half feet apart. And they're the same width as the goalposts. Uh, the goalposts come up out of the hash marks. And all Wershing does, he said, the further away you are, the narrower the goalposts look. But when I'm on the 50-yard line, a hash mark is still 18 and a half feet wide. We're not chipping it in right now. We're still a little ways from the end. And the end may look a little bit narrow. But if you think about the moment, you'll see the brilliance in it. Why concentrate on narrow goalposts instead of wide hash marks? 
There's some people that say, oh, pastor, I don't know what's going to happen down the road. I don't know what's going to take place down the road. Hey, put the ball on the tee and kick it. You can live today between 18 and a half foot hash marks. You can live tomorrow the same way. You can live the next day the same way. And you're getting closer to the kingdom. You're getting closer to heaven. You're getting closer to the prize. Oh, I'm talking to you right now. You can't hit that little old goal post from 50 yards out if you just stare at it. But if you get between the hash marks and just keep it, you'll win. Somebody said, Pastor, I just don't think I can do this for two years. Don't do it for two years. Do it for today. And then do it tomorrow. Get up in the morning and say, this is the day the Lord's made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad with it. In it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I see myself as a winner. I can clear that bar. I can kick that field goal. I can live today because I got 18 and a half feet of space. Wow. That's good whether you like that or not. It's like that church choir that was raising money to attend music competition. They decided to have a car wash. And they had a great booming business on, in the morning on that Saturday. And then the rain came. And the customers stopped coming. So one smart lady finally printed this poster. We wash. And with an arrow pointed skyward, he rinses. <laughs> business was booming again because when you see the world through God's eyes when you see this world through God's eyes it don't look near as bad as when you see it through our eyes bless the Lord oh my soul and all that's within me bless his holy name bless his holy name in the third place and finally and I'm closing tonight much to the chagrin of myself and the joy of you. How do you see God? How do you see yourself? How do you see the world? How do you see God? Very simple. He's the only one who is supreme, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. As I minister my and I'm, I, I'm going to tell you what, as I minister my State of the Church address on this Wednesday night, first, first Wednesday of summer, we're here to celebrate more than a positive mental attitude. It's not simply faith in faith that makes 2,000 years, 13, one of the finest years we'll ever have. But Haggai asked the people, how do you see it now? How do you see the church? How do you see yourself? How do you see the world? How do you see God? How do you do it? How do you see him? Here's what he said. Yet now take courage, says the Lord, for I am with you. Say it with me. Yet now take courage, says the Lord, for I am with you. His name shall be called Emmanuel. He is with us. He is with us. Anybody ever had one of those times when 
It just looked like it was all over but the final song, and the fat lady was already warming her voice up. You know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, you had one of these but gods. But God. Anybody ever had one of them? I've had them. Just one of those but God moments. But God. Wow. I don't know what to do right now. I, I want to run all over this place. I want, to, I want to get out there and just shake everybody's hand. I want to say, you know what? The church is not going under. It's going over. I want to say, you as an individual can get over that bar. You can set a world record. And this world is not our home. And God is good. He is awesome. I was struggling years ago with a particular thing. I'm closing. I was struggling with a particular thing. And that thing was called loneliness. Anybody ever been lonely? I had a little girl in the other room. And I started telling God it wasn't fair. This ain't, this ain't fair. This ain't fair. All right. I've preached. I've sung. I've given. And now I'm by myself. And that night, at 4.45, a clock, Howard Miller clock, grandfather clock, rang 45 past the hour. I had not gone to sleep. And I laid down on my bed and I said, Lord, I have to get up at 7 o'clock. Please help me. Please help me. I've got to go to sleep. Whatever you want to call it, you call it. But a presence came in my room. be here today if that presence had to come in my room at 4.45 in the morning. And I felt like mama used to do when she tucked me in. I felt my pillow being fluffed. And I felt like my covers were being pulled up over my fully clothed body. I hadn't even taken my clothes off. I just walking and weeping and crying and praying. I was so lonesome, so lonely. And it was as if just before that presence walked out, there was a, a feeling on this arm. I was on my left side and a feeling on this arm like, I'm here. I'll be here in the morning. 
next thing I knew, the alarm was going off. Just two hours and perhaps 10 minutes of sleep. I faced that day with a different kind of opinion about my future. God had visited my room and I would never be the same. Never. The next night, I was pretty sleepy around 10. Two hours rest. But I made it all day. Never have been a nap person. I made it all day. And when I laid down at 10 o'clock, I never heard 10, 15. And I've been sleeping ever since. Ask my wife. If I beat her to bed five minutes, I'm sorry, you should have got here earlier. God has given me a spirit of rest. That's what I think about God. That's what I think about God. And so tonight when I go home, and I eat my honey nut Cheerios, a little news and see what's happened today and see how things happen in the world today. I will close my eyes 33 years after the night it happened. I will close my eyes and I will sleep in the Lord and wake up refreshed tomorrow. That's what I think about my God. He is a God that gives us rest. He's a God that gives us rest. Come on, clap your hands. He's a God that gives us rest. Woo! He's a God that gives us rest. He's a God that gives us rest. The Bible said he shall cause the weary to rest talk about the Holy Spirit when we talk about that but I'm telling you God wants to give you rest from anxiety and rest from your worries and rest from your pain and rest from your hurts and rest just a rest why don't you let him tuck you in tonight won't you let the Spirit of God tuck you in tonight why don't you let him just walk in make up your bed in time of your adversity why don't you just let God come on in because I promise you tomorrow you'll see him differently I promise you tomorrow you'll see the world differently. You'll see yourself differently. And you'll see this church differently. Because the church is going to have the greatest revival it's ever had before the Lord comes back. The glory of the latter house. Stand to your feet all over the house. Clap your hands and rejoice right now. Would you do it? And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.